1: Graduate, finding there are none. In our youth, we fight all kinds of battles, but in the end, we've never won. We never won, now. (laughs) Uh, Okay, it's John Fisher here singing uh, "Matthews Blues" from from 1973, written in 1970, actually, and. I got a little into that song because it really uh, is a great lead-in for our guest tonight um, on uh, Blog Talk Radio, the Catch on Blog Talk Radio, and uh, our guest who is uh, an an apologist for the gospel. And uh, that song is kind of apologetic for for the faith because I wrote it in 1970 prior to going on an evangelistic mission to uh, Rhodes University in Grahamstown, South Africa, and uh, uh, I was I was there with, and I knew it was going to be a fairly intellectual setting, and uh, same time as uh, the you know the Jesus movement was just getting underway, things were happening. So I wrote this song, um, and it really is is just talks about the world and how we can't get it together, we can't pull it. You know, uh, pessimist, it's a pessimistic kind of world, and yet it It opens up uh in the answer to the song is uh the possibility that that, that there may be truth out there that there that, that there may be actually a kingdom of God behind the scenes and uh that's as far as it goes but it, it's um uh, it's it's a wonderful way to uh, get people thinking and uh um apologetics has has always been interesting to me it's uh um I think the first time I discovered that was uh, in college when I, when I ran into uh, Francis Schaeffer and then later C.S. Lewis and the works of the 17th century mathematician and uh, physicist called uh, Blaise Pascal. And uh, I began to discover, wow, there are smart people that love God and uh, they can talk intellectually about the truth. And uh, it did amazing things to bolster my faith to discover that a lot of the that that I could could actually answer some of those really big questions um, that I have. At least I can I could remove some of those barriers to faith that I think a lot of people have today. So that's uh, that's what we're going to talk about. And we have as our guest uh, a man named Ted Wright with CrossExamined.org. And uh, I had a, a, a fun time talking with Ted yesterday, so we're just going to continue that conversation and invite you guys to join us. Uh, Ted, welcome to
2: the Catch on Thank talk you so Radio. much. Thank you so much for having me on, John. Great to be here. Great, great. It's great to have you. You know, Ted. Let's
1: just start off with. Uh, I'd, I'd love to just have you talk in
2: general. Tell, tell us what what. What do we mean by apologetics? That's a great question, John. And you know, we we get that question a lot. at cross-examined. Um, you know, when when often you use that word, and people ask you, "Well, what do you do?" You say, "Well, I'm an apologist," and they're just like, "Well, what are you apologizing for?" <laughs> but but the word actually is a biblical word. It, it actually in the Greek, it uh, it comes from the Greek word apologia, which means defense, and that's uh, taken from. 1 uh, Peter 3.15, uh, where Peter says, Always be ready to give an answer for the reason, the hope that's within us, but do this with gentleness and respect. And that word answer is the Greek word apologia, which means a rational defense. So uh, if someone else were to ask you, well, why are you a Christian? Then you, sh- you should be able to give them an answer. Wow. I never knew that, that that was that wo-
1: same word. Same word, yeah, that, apologetics.
2: That, and it's used also that, that, in uh, Jude 1.3 as well. Which says, so, uh, "Yeah, it says, uh, uh, brothers, I, I felt that I t- should urge you to contend for the faith once and for all entrusted to the saints." So, uh, so it oh, does wow. have a biblical precedent to it.
1: Contend for the contend faith. Contend
2: for the faith. Yes. And be able to be able to reason, uh, argue it, uh, debate it, that kind of thing. Yes, that, uh, and, and I take sort of a really uh, sort of a holistic view—not just merely the intellectual and the the rational, but also the subjective as well—that. You know we're called not just to give, uh, you know, intellectual answers, but also we're we're called to incarnate the truth as well. So I think that part of our case is not just the the intellectual answers. That's certainly a part of it, but also that we are to, you know, to reveal Christ. That you know, as Jesus said in, in the in the Sermon on the Mount, you know, you're the light of the world. So I think that wow. part of our for, part of our case for the Christian faith is also our lives as well.
1: Wow, that's great. Well, you know, in, in cross-examined. Dot org um, is uh, uh, tell us a little bit about uh, what you do there and um, uh, you know ha- how is this working out into uh, our experience and and even how can we uh,
2: get involved if we want to Sure uh, well, the ministry was uh, was founded by my friend and uh, president of the, of the ministry uh, Dr. Frank Turek who uh, many people may or may not be aware that he wrote a book, uh, co-authored a book with uh, Dr. Norman Geisler called Uh, I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist, and it's a great book. Uh, I would recommend it to uh, anyone who Hmm. uh, would like to study apologetics. It's a really great beginner's book, and and, uh, it's just got some great stuff in it. So uh, the ministry was founded about uh, seven or eight years ago because... There was some research that came out of uh, I think it was a Barna study, and then later some other studies sh- showed this to be true that uh, you know a large majority of people, young people in, uh, in particular, who grow up in the church, when they leave uh, when they leave from home and they go to college, uh, very very few of them. In fact, the the, the Barna stat was like 75 percent of young people will not come back to church, and uh, wow. so the ministry was founded to try to counteract that, and but we do that by going to uh, college campuses. Uh, We go to churches. We go anywhere, really, where we're invited. Uh, Frank, and myself, and we have other uh, trained cross-examined speakers around the country, and we go around and we uh, give presentations. We have books. Uh, We have curriculum, uh, which uh, you can actually take to your church and study how to know apologetics and how to present apologetic arguments. So uh, we're sort of of, uh, uh, apologetics generalist.
1: Great, great. Well, um, what? Um, so that's all. And if I go to crossexamine. dot org, what what am
2: I going to find there? Okay, you'll you'll find our website, and we have all kinds of. We've got some articles on there. Uh, we have a free app as well. We just uh, produced this last year, oh, and great. it's been great. Uh, we so it's across. You can get it on your iPhone, your iPad, uh, Android device, Windows Windows phones, and uh, the app is free. And uh, th- so you can you can go to the website and click on uh, I believe uh, there's a section on the top of the screen that says app and you can click on how to get that. Uh, we also have videos. Um, there's blo- we have a blog as well. Uh, I've written some articles. Frank's written articles. We have uh, guest blog writers as well. So there's a great uh, great wealth of information that people if if you wanted to study apologetics and we also have, there is actually an an article on the website as to what is Christian apologetics and so it provides a little bit more great. in-depth definition great
1: um, you know uh, what let's talk just for a minute about what is the value of, of apologetics um, what what need are we meeting and and is it is someone going to become a Christian can, can we talk somebody into becoming a Christian? uh... based on these arguments
2: um, yes and no i guess it depends on how you would uh... go about defining that um, i like the way that alistair mcgrath put it uh, mcgrath is an uh... theologian from oxford university in england mm-hmm. he said apologetics is conversational whereas evangelism is ir- uh, invitational uh, so apologetics sort of is like the uh, co- it, it <clears throat> sort of gets the conversation started and i think that uh... it sort of Uh, You know, kind of like when you, uh, uh, if you were to think of it, I I hate to use this analogy, but if you think of it like a military analogy, in which you have an army that you're trying to, you're cross a river. Well, in order for the army to get there, you have to have a bridge to cross the river. So, apologetics is sort of like the bridge that uh, it's built across the rivers of doubt and. uh, perhaps even unbelief and uh, even skepticism that Christianity is true rationally, that there, are, there is a rational basis for the belief in Christianity. In other words, Christianity is true not just because it makes me feel good and it gives me joy, which it does, but Christianity hmm. is true because it's grounded in reality, in the facts of reality. And so we dig into that, and uh, we look at right. ideology, we look at philosophy, we look at reason, logic. Uh, science and uh, we use we marshal evidence uh, t- t- we believe supports the truth of Christianity. Wow,
1: that's that's
2: tremendous. Um, what and I know you're in
1: a lot of circumstances where um, you you are in non-Christian settings and universities, perhaps, and and other types of things. What what are the biggest questions that that you get from from non-Christians?
2: About that's great, yeah, that's, well, one of, the, one of the questions that we continually get is uh, probably two that really come up again and again, and that is uh, the problem of what is, uh, is, is often termed the Canaanite genocide uh, uh, objection. Mm. And, uh, you know, the claim is that why would God, if God is so loving and good, then why would he command the Israelites to, to kill all the Canaanites and uh, so that's one objection that we get and the other one is why if god is good uh why does god send people to hell but you notice uh, john that these are not necessarily uh uh airtight arguments against god's existence they're really more complaints about how god runs the universe so you know <laughs> i mean you know so it's more more uh, as as frank says atheists don't really have arguments they have complaints uh and i think that's huh. true but i also think that we should also give you know give them an answer as well and uh there are some good reasons and good evidence uh, that we can provide for that, for those questions. Wow. Wow. Does um,
1: that, that include that? Uh, how, how can a loving
2: God uh, allow so much suffering in the world? Is, is that, yes. Yes, that's, the, it, 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 that's right. It's connected to that. In fact, it's often joined with that uh, that argument as well. Uh, but one of the things that Frank points out, and I think uh, he's right, he's done this in debates. He's debated uh, several atheists, including mm-hmm. Christopher Hitchens. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the things is that how why how is it that we're able to call it something good unless we know, or, or evil unless we know what the good is? It's sort of like what C.S. Lewis said. You know, how do you know how do you know a crooked line unless you know what a straight line is? Mm. So so people, uh, even atheists and skeptics who who say that they don't believe in God, they they do have this innate understanding of right and wrong, or else they wouldn't be able to call something unjust. And so there there seems to be this objective moral standard that people are able to call something good and something evil, and that objective moral standard, uh, we believe, is really an argument for God's existence. And this is coming from C.S. Lewis and uh, people like Aquinas and others. Interesting.
1: It really all kind of goes back to the problem of evil, doesn't it?
2: Yes, Yes, it does. And it is a problem. It's a problem not only for the Christian worldview, uh, but it's also a problem for the atheists as well. I mean, they have to, uh, if if you commit it to a materialistic, uh, atheistic view of the world, then, then, you know, it's a problem for for them as well. Because really, if materialism is all there is, if matter is all there is, then there really is no essential difference between good and evil. Uh, Why why would we even say something is good and evil? Because really, it's just all, all a matter of opinion. Yeah. And wow. maybe, that's, maybe that's an oversimplification, but I think that that certainly raises some questions. Um, Ted, uh, just a little bit about yourself here. How did you – have you always been interested in this?
1: Like, were you a philosophy major in college, or how, how did – when did this kind of start to really uh, push your button? <laughs> yes.
2: Yeah, actually, I was a philosophy major. Uh, I was actually a double major in – and get this now – philosophy and anthropology.
1: <laughs> oh, Wow.
2: <laughs> yeah, and I was so – so my degree is in anthropology with a minor in philosophy and religion. And uh, while I was – I was a Christian when I was nine years old, and uh, so I, I, I came to college, and it wasn't a Christian college. I went to college with the – with this understanding of the gospel, this basic understanding of the, cr- the truth of Christianity. But I really didn't have any training in philosophy or apologetics to know what to say. So so when I, when I would uh, – when objections would be raised against Christianity or against the Bible, I didn't really know how to answer those. And uh I, I found some books by uh Francis Schaefer also had an effect on me mm-hmm. as well. Uh Francis Schaefer and uh, uh Josh McDowell actually found some books by oh, him yeah. and it really it really led me down the road of of studying apologetics and I eventually uh came to Charlotte, North Carolina, which is where I am now, and uh I have a, I have a master's degree now in Christian apologetics with a with a concentration in philosophy. So um so it's kind of been a long road of uh, of starting out trying to know how to answer you know the skeptical claims and now now I actually teach it so uh I've I've been there I've I've been to those those uh heated arguments in classrooms oh boy yeah you know you mentioned uh, uh McDowell and Schaefer.
1: uh are there are there any other other names um uh, you yeah, like who who would be uh top of the list of, of your favorites in terms of who we would think of as in terms of apologists either either living or or dead
2: oh wow certainly c.s lewis uh would play a uh-huh. huge part c.s lewis uh g.k chesterton um i think of others like uh dr norm geisler who um mm-hmm. who sort of mentored me when i was a student um he you know, he had a huge impact um and then also i think of uh uh, Aquinas, even though he wasn't an apologist ah. per se, uh, he was a theo- he was actually a Dominican theologian uh, who lived in the 13th century. But uh, he has some incredible stuff that is really uh, you know uh, impacting mm-hmm. me in, in how I defend the faith. So so I don't know if, uh, how how much you, you're aware of this, but there's actually two major schools of thought in apologetics, and uh, one one view is called the presuppositional view, and the other view is called the classical view. And sort of, mm. so where I, where I kind of sort of uh, fall into place is I'm, I kind of sort of consider myself a classical guy uh, in apologetics and that I follow the, generally speaking, I follow the apologetics of C.S. Lewis and Aquinas, and Geyser does as well. And uh, I, believe, I believe Frank would also uh, identify himself as a classical apologist. Of course, uh-huh. you know, there's a lot of variations in between those, but uh, I think Schaefer uh, would be considered more of a presuppositional. But I look at it this way. I look at it that an apologist... You know, I'm not I'm not like dogmatic about you know whether it's classical or presuppositional because I look at apologetics like a tool, and it's like you know when you're uh, when you're working on your house and you need a hammer, you use a hammer when it's needed, and uh, mm-hmm. if you need a saw, you, then you get the saw. You, you don't use a saw where you should you know where you need a hammer. So I look at apologetics like that. And I think there's I think there's really good uses of of all the different views. I I do see a great value in presuppositional apologetics. Uh, such as the you know the view of uh Francis Schaefer uh, because one of the things that Schaefer Schaeffer emphasized is that you know some, say for example, someone is a uh, committed atheist then uh one of the benefits is show them the uh consequences of their beliefs show them to show them the yeah. show them the logical end of their belief in other words, if atheism is true then then what what entails if the, if if atheism's true so i say there's mm-hmm. i think there's a value in that can can you uh is it can you just
1: give us a really brief uh layman's understanding of the difference between those
2: two presuppositional and classical sure absolutely so let's take uh the question of the uh the age of the earth or not the age of the earth that's a whole other debate uh because they they do but the presuppositional basically says that that generally speaking uh unsaved men the reason why they have the views that they do is because they don't believe what the scripture says. In other words, they have their view of reality is is skewed because they don't have a biblical worldview. And so, mm-hmm. if they believed in the Bible, and they if they believe what the scriptures view then of reality, then their worldview would make more sense. That's certainly true. But my question is, why should they believe the Bible? Because you know, mm-hmm. in other words, what evidence do we have that the Bible is true? What do we what evidence do we have objectively that the biblical worldview that the in other words the christian judeo christian yeah. worldview is correct? you see what I'm saying
0: so the gospel yes, yeah. view says Absolutely. that
2: that there are uh, there are other questions that precede mm. that question and and so that would be like does God exist is there evidence that God exists and is there evidence that truth exists and then it also looks at evidence within the Bible itself so it 's not taking away anything from the bible it's just saying that We just can't assume that everybody's going to believe the Bible, because they're not. Um, But there are good reasons to believe that the Bible's true, Mm -hmm. uh, apologetically. And and so my my specialty in apologetics is archaeology, and I would say that archaeology definitely supports what the Bible records historically. So I think that when you look at manuscript evidence, and when you look at archaeology, and when you look at other evidence, uh, there is is good objective evidence that we can present to people that, that you can believe the Bible. So wow. that sort of, I hope, I hope that helps. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's a helpful that, that, distinction. Well, I need to clarify just for myself.
1: Um, so then, the classical view is is more along the lines of um, not not. We're, we're not going to argue the the by. Uh, we're going to assume, in other words, that that someone believes that, that the Bible is a is is a acceptable worldview. We're going to argue it from another spot.
2: Is that is that right?
1: yeah Yes.
2: Be yeah, and yeah. That, that's a major oversimplification. There, there are other theologians sure. who may disagree with how categorize yeah. it, but but yeah. generally speaking, that is correct. That that um, you know the Bible is true. I believe it, and I'm, I'm, I'm I would even right. say uh, you know I believe the Bible is without error. But I think there are other philosophical questions that are uh, logically take logical priority. Mm-hmm. So in other words, uh, so for instance. Um, if you're talking to let's say you're at a coffee shop and you're and you're there with your iPad and somebody walks up to you and says, Well, oh, I see you're reading the Bible and are you a Christian? And you say, Yeah and uh and then you get in the conversation. Well, a presuppositional might use the approach of, Well, the reason why you view reality the way you do is because you don't believe the Bible. Um, you mm. don't have an incorrect view of reality and and certainly they do. Um, but I would want to give them – I would want to begin with, uh, what do you think about God's existence? Is there a God? Because if you argue just purely the Bible, and they don't believe in miracles, and they don't believe there's a God, then all you've got to do is to believe that the Bible is a reliable document. And uh, you really haven't shown that it's a, it's a divine document. It, and very well may be. And, uh, and there's huge debates about this. But so, uh, again, I, I sort of look at it this way. I'm, I'm kind of a uh, – you know, a generalist. I, I will use whatever you know when I'm when I'm speaking with someone uh, about the gospel, and, mm-hmm. and I'm trying to make the case. Uh, I will use whatever I th- whatever method. Uh, let me give you a great analogy for this. It's kind of like uh, I, it was really cool that you played the jazz. Did you did you write that song at the very beginning? Yeah, mm-hmm. that's yeah. great. That's great. <laughs> um, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Doug Groteis, but he's a he's a professor at the Denver Seminary, and. Um, he wrote an article, uh, I think it was last year, a couple of years ago, called How Apologetics is Like Jazz. Hmm. And, uh, and uh, I guess you're familiar with jazz. You, you know who Miles Davis is, yeah, right? Yeah, a little bit.
1: Okay. A little
2: bit. Well, well I, I, as, a, as it turns out, I, I grew up in Memphis, Tennessee. It's kind of where, uh, you know, I, kind of my roots. And uh, so in Memphis, there's kind of this really strong music background. And so I've got a lot of friends in music music industry. And uh, there's jazz and there's blues. Well, you know, you know, the basics of jazz is that most jazz musicians are really, really good. They can play classical pieces, and they're really good at their their instrument. So, in other words, they have this base understanding of uh, of music. But they can also improvise. And so, uh, mm. a, a trait of a good jazz musician is that he's able to improvise on the spot. And I think, and GrowTex's point is that that makes also a good apologist. I think that's a great, mm. great, great analogy. And that, in other words, you learn the basics. You learn you know what are the what's the evidence for god's existence and uh how do you answer the problem of evil and how do you respond when someone believes the bible is full of errors so learn all those basic questions and that's that's the content of apologetics but then the mm-hmm. second part is to know how to use it and when to use it and that mm-hmm. that's where that's where the imp- improv comes in and that's where you kind of sort of have to use wisdom as well wow that's great that's great and that's I hope everyone's listening because I I think that's
1: that's helpful for all of us. I think um, you know I for me uh, I, I guess I would be I, I would be like you. I'd be more on the on the classical side of things. Because, primarily, to put it in a very simple terms, I think it's really important for us to try and get in someone else's shoes when we're talking to people who aren't Christians. And I don't think Christians have done this very traditionally, done this very mm-hmm. well, and that is stand in someone else's shoes see the world like they do and uh, as a matter of fact I think if I learned anything from Schaefer, I, that was one thing I learned he, he could he would stand in the world's shoes and he would cry because he would see the way they see the world and he would see it without God and he would see their desperation and and uh, and, and he taught us to, 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 to cry that way and I think that's one thing we really lack Today, as Christians, uh, we're, we're we're more like going to battle with with the, with the world rather than than identifying with them and and uh, you know, treating treating them as lost and, and and having compassion on
2: on their situation and and learning to think like they think. Absolutely, that, I think that's exactly right. And. And that's what we're called to do. You know, we're called to to be salt. in, in, in order for the salt to have an effect, that we need to be there. Uh, we need to be there amongst the people who need the truth. And uh, so, you know, apologetics is both an art and a science. It's uh, it's a science in the fact that there are some things mm-hmm. that Christians need to learn about their faith, because uh, frankly, many Christians don't know what they believe and why they believe it. They have just sort of been taught it. And, uh, but apologetics shows us that there are good reasons for believing the Bible. You know, uh, someone can grow up and be a Christian their whole life and not really know why we believe that the Bible is true. Why, you know, why do we, for, so in other words, why is, what, what difference is there between the Bible and the Quran, or what difference is there between the Bible and any other religious document? Now, certainly there are some great similarities, but there are also some really great differences, too, And that sometimes the differences make, make all the difference in the world. And so I think a lot of Christians are just unaware of that. So there's there's the science yeah. part, and then yeah. there's the art part, which is what you're talking about, and I think that's also mm-hmm. just as important uh, it, it, with the content is also how we get that information across in a loving and a Christ-like way.
1: <laughs> you know,
2: I, this is really funny. Gunning, are you still here?
1: <laughs> remember Mickey? Um, yes. I, I remember yes. one of <laughs> One of our guests, um, which would be so opposite from from the de- depth that we're going here, but I mean, this is a guy who just—he was in a Christian underground, you know, punk band for years, <laughs> and, and then he got this great idea of uh, of witnessing to, um, to 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 kids and, and adults who are really into. The, the whole gaming industry—not—not not, we're talking about video games. Yes. Yeah, and and apparently this is huge. I mean, they have twenty thousand people show up at 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 these conferences uh, all all the time around the world to learn the latest of, about all these games, and and people are so into this. And he's he's there's a whole world here, and he he says that, that there's no representation of of the gospel there. So these. These guys go. They get a booth at, at at these places, and all they they have this T-shirt which has a picture of of a kind of a classical looking Jesus with uh, earphones and you know playing a <laughs> video game, and and uh, and it says across it Jesus loves you, and you know that's and and that's their message. That's it. That's, they 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 show up at these places. And that's all they want to say is you want to tell people Jesus loves you, and. And he, and we were in conversation about this, and, um, it, and he talks about how, how Christians will come up and they'll argue with him, it, it, other Christians, and you shouldn't be doing this, or you shouldn't yes. be here, or you shouldn't, you know, and then they use scripture, you know, they throw it, but, but the Bible says, you know, yeah. and, and and he turns around and he says, yeah, but the people we're talking about, they don't give a bleep about the Bible.
2: <laughs> That's right. That's exactly right they' they're unsaved. Why would they care about the Bible?
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but you know we do that
2: though, don't we we
1: we did. you know christians
0: Christians assume
1: that everybody else has the same worldview they have. they assume that everybody else believes the Bible And so they quote scripture people, and boy, it's just to me that's not that's not reasoning with with the world that's
2: not no that's that and that's not gentle, that's not being gentle and understanding I don't think. No, I think you're exactly right. In fact, uh, I think there is a biblical, uh, biblical precedent for how we ought to handle our uh, apologetic and our evangelistic encounters with mm. the Apostle Paul. In 1 Corinthians nine nineteen 19-23, Paul says... Uh, Though I am free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I become like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I become like a man under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but under under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I become weak to win the weak and then he says i become all things to all men that so, that by all possible means i might save some and he says i do this for the sake of the gospel that i might share in its blessings and i think that what that guy was saying wow. is exactly right that's what we that's what we all wow. are doing wow that
1: is that is great and and that and that takes time that takes that, that takes thinking it takes um uh you know reading i think and 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 getting Trying to learn what what does the world look like from someone else's perspective, try and get in their shoes you absolutely know? Uh,
2: that's that's exactly right that's exactly wow. right to be trying to, trying to understand that's compassion and uh, trying yeah. to be where they are um, we've walked right into where where I wanted to be
1: sure and and talk uh, just a little bit and we, that's about all the time we have left um, so but I would love to hear your thoughts on this because you know, I, I think back on what apologetics was like in in 1968, and what it's what it's like now, and it's a whole different world. Um, Francis Francis Schaeffer would have a conversation with anybody, and 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 they would listen to him. They'd be interested because in 1968, people were searching. They were hungry. They um and and if if, if you if you uh, just Brought up the subject of Christ or the Bible or Christianity, you, you wouldn't, they wouldn't jump on you uh, all over you. They they would they would be interested, you know. Well, tell me and and uh, how do you believe? How do you come to believe these things? Because there was there was a general hunger going on, um, and and there was a spiritual search. I believe in in those years, uh, God was getting us ready for that. We have a whole different world now. We we now have what what i what we've been calling for years is the culture wars, and we have we have Christians lining themselves up politically we have um, we have now Christians defined by our culture as being a certain way as thinking a certain way, and so what happens is I've discovered what apologetics now are, are easily turned into an argument it's it's kind of a you know one point for us, no point for them. You know, we're going to go out there and we're going to fight the evolutionists. And and, and, and we're going to fight the the, the, the uh, seven-day crea- people are against seven-day creation. And all these kinds of things. Uh, in other words, we, we're, it's a battle. It's, it's a war, and Christians are going to try and argue our point. And, and uh, you know, how do we... Yeah. How do we stay away from that? I just really think we need yes. to stay away from that. How would you counsel us in in order to avoid getting into those kinds of, of arguments with people, which I don't think does anybody any good?
2: I totally agree, John. I couldn't agree with you more. Um, I think what you just said is absolutely great, and uh, you're exactly right. It's a turf war. Um, many Christian, unfortunately, many Christian ministries and and, unfortunately, some Christian apologists, not all of them, but some Christian apologists, uh, sort of have their turf that they're fighting for, and they really are sort of missing the point. And that is the gospel. That is the truth yeah. of the gospel. And uh, so, how do we steer clear of that? And I would say, uh, as Paul says, you know, avoid quarrelsome arguments, you know, uh, that really, really lead to nowhere. And uh, you know, how do you know? Well, when do you when do you stop? You know, when do you know when to stop? Um, I think that uh, just you know some general principles that we should follow as Christians, and that is that. Um, If it doesn't bring glory to God, if it doesn't uh, honor Christ, then I think we should just stay away from it. Uh, Certainly there are some very important debates that are going on culturally, and I think Christians need to be salt and light in those areas. But I think you have to use wisdom and uh, sort of uh, know which hill you want to die on. You know, I think uh, a lot of Christians just – and and don't get me wrong, you know, some people may misunderstand this, but, you know, uh, political issues to me are just – they just go nowhere, and they don't really serve the gospel. Um, but you know I, I tend to be conservative politically but i'm not i'm not committed to any one party uh... but in, in any case if you're going to argue politics it's not going to really help your case for christ i think the, i think the um the way to wow. go is really just stick to the simple points that jesus really was who he said he was and that the bible uh... is a reliable document Because because if you think yeah. about it when you think about the core message of the christian faith it's that jesus is risen from the dead now, there are a lot of other very important doctrines as well, like the Trinity and things like that, but the core the core message of the gospel is the resurrection, the empty tomb, and I think that's what we need to focus on in these days mm-hmm. we live in, because we do live in a very, very argumentative. Um, people are sort of fighting their turf, and uh, what mm-hmm. I see as well, in addition to the turf wars is the response uh, of skeptics is just mocking. There's just a lot of mocking. In our blog, uh, we get a lot of comments, and some of the comments uh, really are not there to offer conversation or dialogue. It's really just to to make uh, a statement, and uh, that's unfortunate because it really shows that the the other side really doesn't have any good arguments. Um, but uh, so I would I would say stick to the simple gospel and uh, try to defend that. Learn about basic apologetics. Uh, you know, what, why do we believe the Bible is true? At cross examine we really we focus on four questions we, that we think are critical questions that people need to answer. And, the, and here are the four questions. They're very easy to remember. Anybody can remember these. Um, we write about these. In fact, they're in the book. I don't have enough faith to be an atheist, but they're actually presented as 12 points. But we, we can summarize those 12 points in the book by four questions. Number one, does truth exist? Is there such a thing as absolute truth? Now this mm-hmm. question is it, 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 it focuses on whether or not relativism is true, whether or not there is such thing as absolute truth. Because because if relativism is true, then mm-hmm. not even atheists can be can be correct. So so that's an p- important question, and we believe that that is truth is that which corresponds to reality. Truth is that which is real. So so yes, we believe mm-hmm. in absolute truth. Question number two: Does God exist? This is a foundational question, because if God doesn't exist, the, then the resurrection can't be true. And miracles can't be possible, because the mm-hmm. greatest miracle has already occurred, and that is creation. In the beginning, God said, let the, you know, let there be light. And uh, we believe that there's good scientific evidence, in addition to the Bible, that shows that, the, that, that there is uh, evidence for God's existence from creation. And uh, we go through this in the book as well. So we also yeah. use uh, three other arguments, or two other arguments. We use the cosmological argument, the teleological, or the design argument, and then the moral argument. And basically mm. what these arguments are is that we, we argue from the origin of the universe, the design in the universe, and then the morality, the moral law in the universe. We think mm. all the, all three of those uh, arguments point to a spaceless, timeless, immaterial creator being who brought the universe out of nothing. So wow. so does God exist? But the third question is, are miracles possible um, because if miracles are not possible, then Jesus cannot be risen from the dead, and the bible can 't be an inspired mm. word from God, so miracles have to be possible now now that mm. that question sounds kind of goofy to you and I because we of course believe in miracles, but the, to those who are committed who are committed to a scientific world view, miracles are off the table because miracles just don 't happen because there 's no such thing as miracles. And the reason why there's no such thing as miracles, according to the atheists, is because uh, the only correct view of reality is the the materialistic view of reality. There are are no supernatural beings. So so you see how logically the questions follow one from the other? Truth, God's existence, if there's no God, then no miracles can happen. And if no miracles can happen, then the Bible, as a reliable historical document, can't give us accurate information about the resurrection of Jesus. So the fourth question is um, is the Bible reliable and, mm-hmm. and I'll review those real quick so does truth exist does God exist? Mm-hmm. are miracles possible and is the Bible a reliable document and specifically the New Testament because the mm-hmm. New Testament mm-hmm. gives us the evidence of Jesus so so that's that's what I would focus on those questions wow. those are those are core questions that really I think support the Christian worldview can you give us a really just we're, uh, this is so much fun. <laughs>
1: you know,
2: um, can, can you give me a real quick answer to the miracle question? Um, yes, yes. Are miracles possible? Um, I just sort of answered it a little bit, and uh, the tack that we take. Now, again, let me let me preface my uh, answer with this: for those who are out there who identify as young Earth creationists, and I and I have young Earth leanings as well. I'm, I lean toward young Earth creationism as well. But let me just say this. According to Big Bang Cosmology, which you, you don't have to agree with it. I'm not saying you have to agree with it. But according to the, their own science, all space, time, and matter came into existence out of nothing a finite time ago. Now, it, it could have been billions. It could have been 1,000 or you know, 10,000 hmm. or 5,000. That's not the point. The point is not the age. The point is that all space, time, and matter came into existence out of nothing uh, wow. in, in the finite past. So what is – and this is according to Einstein. Einstein's general theory of relativity basically says, says that very thing, that space, time, and matter are correlative. So here's the thing, John. If a space – so if, if all space, time, and matter came into existence from nothing, ex nihilo, then whatever brought it into being must also be spaceless, timeless, and yeah. material – So this is a this is scientific evidence for a creator from the creation, and I think it's I think it's Romans one, I think it's Psalm nineteen. So that means that there is a supernatural cause of the universe. So if the universe is not a closed system, if there is a cause of the universe that brought it into existence, then all bets are off. That's what Lewis said. That basically, if you if you allow God in the door, then all bets are off. Miracles are possible. Now, the reason why atheists can't allow miracles is because that allows God in the door. They just they just cannot accept the uh, supernatural divine being theory. Wow. Because if you allow God, then miracles are possible. And, and many atheists think, and, I, and I, I do understand their concern, but they think that if they allow uh, a theological explanation for the origin of the universe, then that somehow undercuts science. And it, it doesn't undercut science because... Uh, even science itself is not scientific. Science itself is built on the laws of causality and logic and forensics. It's not you can't prove science with science. It's sort of a you hmm. know, circular circular argument.
0: Hmm. So,
2: so that's the short answer is that the, the greatest miracle has already occurred, and we have scientific wow. evidence for it. And that is that they, that a spaceless, timeless, immaterial cause brought everything into existence out of nothing, which is Genesis one one. Wow! Wow! wow. Isn't that cool? You got my
1: you, you got my heart beating faster on that one. <laughs> I tell you, that is great. Well, I can't I I can't thank you enough for taking some time to be with us um and uh, great to be here. Yeah, once again, everybody, it's crossexamine.org if you want to find out some more about this and get some materials and uh Ted, will you will you do this again sometime?
2: Absolutely, uh, I'd be glad
1: to. Yeah. We, maybe we can, next time we can get, maybe go in-depth in one of these things. Uh, that would really be fun. Sounds great. So, so But thank you so much. Um, this has been really fun and enlightening. I appreciate you being on with us, Ted.
2: Well, thank you, John, and God bless you. Thank okay. you for all that you do. Beautiful. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Well, Gunner,
0: was that yeah. fun or what? Oh, absolutely. That was a lot of fun. I mean, uh, that's definitely one. <laughs> I could hear your heart beating. <laughs> it was pounding good. Oh, this is good. I think this is going to be, uh, we're going to have a lot of fun with this. You know, I think we've got, mm. uh, you know, we'll we'll be putting this out at probably in and in a, I'm guessing about a three-part series and I'll uh, really give people yeah. a chance to really let each segment kind of breathe and I think it's a great idea to have Ted to, to back and and dive in even even further, and so um, that was a lot of fun. Uh, I can tell you were having fun. Yeah, yeah, oh
1: yeah, and uh, yeah, it's just you know it, it's it's stimulating, and I think we need that. We we just need to stimulate our minds. You know, I mean, the, the, yeah. the God said that he Jesus wants us to love the Lord with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And uh, and it's interesting that that. that Mind is a part of that. In other words,
0: uh, yeah. uh,
1: and, and when I first found out that that you could have a mind and love God, and that truth could make sense, could make actually reason sense, intellectual sense, um, Yes yeah. Boy, it just uh, that that really gets you going, and that gets gets your your it increases your faith. Tremendously, I think, and
2: uh, and I and I think I I
1: love the fact that uh, we were able to touch on some of those actual points, and then I especially like that um, this approach to uh, how we join in the argument, uh, quote or unquote, that we have with our culture, and, and not to fight a war over this. We're not, we're not, mm-hmm. you're not, we're not. Uh, choosing sides, and 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 we're not counting up points. You know, it's yeah. it's it, we're learning to understand, so that the whole point is the gospel, so that we might be able to share Jesus and and uh, and the resurrection. Wasn't that great? The way that everything yeah, hinges
0: absolutely. on that. Yes, that was great. absolutely, absolutely. Well, this is Woo. this has been <laughs> that's a that's a. That's the third woo he's given here. That's a, yeah. a three woo podcast today. <laughs> I love it. Well, John, I'm saying this has been fun. Okay, uh, definitely we'll get we'll get Ted back on and uh, invite uh, invite those listeners uh, that are listening to this podcast uh, and the series of podcasts uh, on Blog Talk Radio to check out CrossExamine dot org. Ted Wright, uh, check them out. Um, great times. And then go sign up for The Catch, johnfisher.wordpress.com, The Daily Catch. Sound good, John? Hey, we'll be Sounds back good. Uh, with some new podcasts here in the next week. We'll see you then. Fantastic. You're listening to The Catch with John Fisher on Blog Talk Radio, connecting life to faith.
1: Trying to get it together Trying to help the fellow